looking to take your business or your brand to the next level? Want to make a name for yourself and share what you do best with a bigger audience? There's never been a more exciting time to jump in. Welcome to Lights, Camera, Expert. Unleash your expertise. Your hosts are Terry Trespicio and Paula Rizzo. With their combined media experience and top-notch guests, Paula and Terry will get you ready to shine. Here are your hosts, Terry and Paula. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to Lights, Camera, Expert, Unleash Your Expertise. I'm Paula Rizzo. And I'm Terry Chispicio. And every week on the show, we show you how to tap your expertise and take it out into the world so that you can do what? Grow your brand and your business. And in previous episodes, we've been talking about what it takes and doesn't take to contribute to the media, as well as mm-hmm. what the media is looking for, right? And, yeah. uh, we, it, and not only like how to appeal to them, but how to become a content machine so that you draw media attention toward you. It's true. And so it's obviously fun and exciting to be featured in the media. But the question is, what do you expect from those efforts? What do you get back? What is the ROI of media? And later in the show, we're going to talk to our a phenom, a friend of ours, Dory Clark, who's an author of several books, including Entrep- Entrepreneurial You, which is a fabulous new book that focuses on how to monetize your expertise. So we'll be chatting with her about that in just a little bit. That's the big question, right? Uh, we're, not, we're not just doing it for free forever. We want to figure out how to make money from it. So definitely stay tuned for that. Well, you certainly don't get paid to do media unless nope. you're being paid by a sponsor, you're doing a special segment, but it's rare if you're in the Screen Actors Guild, but I'm assuming most people are not. Uh, but I'm talking, you know, the average person, what can you expect to get? What's in it for me, Paula? Mm, well, after the initial like thrill, the excitement. Yes. What about when the when the when the bloom is off the rose? That when that's it, <laughs> you might be like, "Oh my gosh, that was so awesome!" It's such you know like a a rush, and then you're like, "Wait, why am I doing this again?" Right. right. Uh, well, one thing that Peter Shankman, who was our very first guest on this show, um, and you can go back and listen to that episode anytime on demand. Uh, he was fantastic. He said, "You know, uh, you're doing media just to do media, then you're doing it for the wrong reasons." Because you really need to be doing it to give away for free what you have, like a public service, right? If you're doing it because you want to be famous, that's the wrong reason. That's what he said. Um, mm-hmm. And the thing is, you do it on the media's terms. That's it. I mean, the contributors uh, almost never call the shots. Uh, you know, there were a lot of contributors through my time at Fox News and everywhere else that I worked that would help contribute, right? To be able to say, hey, uh, could you do a story on this? Maybe we could do something on that. And you know what? Sometimes it worked, but they weren't calling the shots. They weren't, you know, the ones really pushing. Um, They show up when they get called. And so they were really smart about it. You you show up, you uh, do a good job, and you get asked back again and again. But what you do is you're out there to get your message out into the world, right? It's about making the viewer's life better. It is not about promoting your book. It's not about selling your vitamins or whatever it is that you're selling this week, because if that's what you're there to do, a producer doesn't care and they're not going to bring you back. And, uh, you know, media just begets more media. So if you're getting media, if you're out there showing that you're a giver, other outlets will see you and then they will book you, too. That's just how it goes. And, you know, Terry, you know this. you've done a lot of media yourself. What what is it? What is it garnered for you? Well, I mean, you can't overstate the cred that it gives you Mm. to have appeared other places, you know, like having appeared on a bunch of major talk shows and and outlets that people know people, 
whoever it is, whether they're prospects or they're people who might book you for an event, they look at that and they say, well, someone else cleared her for air. So Mm -hmm. she must be okay because it's really hard to get on those things. And so when you do, there's a certain trust that comes with that. People feel that you're a professional. Yeah, stamp of approval. Totally. Stamp of approval. Not only do you believe and you're good at what you do, but someone else said yes, especially when you have repeat. And like Dr. Oz, if I were selling vitamins, I would have been thrilled to be on Dr. Oz. I wasn't selling anything. I was invited to be on and they kept having me back because I was a good presenter, but I wasn't there to sell anything, which made me kind of an ideal expert, but made me kind of aimless because in fact, I didn't get anything from that except I got to say that I was on that show a lot. And the fact that I appeared a lot on it, well, Mm -hmm. it mattered because people then trust. Uh, We'll talk about that even more, like the virtuous cycle that contributing to media creates. And Paula, you know that Sometimes I get on a kick and I'll write a bunch of articles about a thing. Paula actually will heat me up. I was going to say, mostly because I send you an article that then you get mad about. That's right. Right? Paula is the instigator. She's like the grain inside the oyster shell. She will (laughs) irritate me by sending me stuff from the New York Post and go, did you see this? I go, what? What is that? And then I would write up a whole thing and be like, I'm going to post this. And I I did An hour of your day is derailed. An hour. An hour. Please. Paula's a, a pr- productivity expert, if you don't already know that, but she has derailed my day. <laughs> <laughs> That's your fault, not but mine. But <laughs> as we know, look, well, I tell you what, I got like, I think two pieces published on Jezebel, which is mm, popular oh, right. on this website. Oh my God. I got like booked from that. I got TV segments. I had literary agents coming. I mean, like you don't even know what will happen. That's why we always say it's worth putting stuff mm-hmm. out there and seeing where mm-hmm. it goes. Uh, but as I said, what it, the most important part about doing that media is that people are more likely to hire me to speak or to consult because they see I've put evidence out into the world for free. What about you, Paula? Like, talk a little bit about how media helped you when you were starting your brand, List Producer. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, one of the ways is that you can leverage it to then sell a book, right? One of the biggest things I wanted to do was write a book. And a friend of mine who was a New York Times bestseller said, don't write a book, start a blog and see if you're interested in that subject and the see if other people are- driver. Book was right. the driver. See if other people are, are interested in the blog. And so I said, oh, okay. So I did it. And she said, come up with 50 ideas and see if you could write 50 blog posts and then see if people care about it and go from there and create your own media. And so I started to do that. And then from there, I said, okay, well, I have this blog, but if nobody knows about it, it's like it doesn't exist. So I just knew from being a television producer for so long and knowing the power of media that I needed to get some eyeballs on it, right? And so I started pitching my expertise as a productivity and list maker out to media outlets, right? And so uh, one of the media outlets was one that you worked at, Terry, was um, Mm -hmm. Martha Stewart's Whole Living Magazine. That's right. At the time. And and I pitched you a story about uh, list making during the holidays Holidays. or something like that. Well, the fact that you had a blog meant to me that you're already doing this. I was like, oh, she does this. Mm. The blog is such a great way to demonstrate, right? So that's why I was like, oh, of course. Mm-hmm. So that was one of the one of the media. And then I got some other stuff and I got some mentions in foxbusiness.com. And, you know, it was a lot of, you know, uh, stuff that had to do with the holidays or New Year's or that kind of thing. It's a big that's a big productivity season. Right. So, of course, I just jumped right on it. Um, and I was able to then get some more eyeballs for the blog. And from there, then I created a, a, a proposal, a book proposal. And one of the people who read my blog regularly 
was the publisher that I ended up selling the book to. Really? Whoa, wait, yes. I didn't know that. The publisher was following the blog. How did you get a publisher yeah. to follow your blog? She, I met her years ago, years when I first started the blog. I met her at Book Expo America, which is a huge uh, conference that comes to New York every single year where all the new books come out. And as a television producer, I would go every single year because I wanted to see who's up and coming, who's the, you know, who's the newest book people, you know, what authors are coming, coming up. And, uh, you know, I was there as a producer, but also as, Hey, uh, I have this blog about list making. And I told a whole bunch of people about it and she happened to be one of them and she followed it. And then from there, you know, we kept in touch and she ended up being the person that, that I sold the book to. And it was, wow. yeah, it's pretty, I mean, that's not usually how that happens, no, but that's amazing. Um, yeah, it's kind of cool. And, and so from there, you know, I was able to use media. They knew that I had gotten media for a blog. So, then so they were like, great. Yeah, you well, can do it you for a book. How long did you do the blog before you were able to sell the book? Um, I'm trying to remember, remember now. I think it was long. I mean, it was, it was over like a year. Oh, yeah. I think oh, it was okay. like three years or something like that because I wasn't quite ready yet. And, I, you know, it's not that you write one book proposal. I mean, Dory Clark will tell you this, although maybe for her it's different. But uh, the first proposal hmm. doesn't always hit. You know, sometimes no, you Dory need to tweak it and change that. it. Dory just no, she won't. knocks it out of the park like everything. <laughs> She's not like, oh, I'll try again. She's like, I think I'm going to write a best-selling book. You um, know what? For me, it was funny because I, because I had been writing the blog for so long, I had sort of evolved to the next level of talking about different things. So it helped you. It did, but it hindered me because I wanted to write then a book about those new topics and the new things. And everyone (laughs) said, no, but you have to go back because the audience has not heard the beginning part that you have not established yourself yet as the list producer as the, you know, the list person. So I had to kind of do, Mm -hmm. yeah, I had people, but it was like, you have to sort of do the thing that was successful in your blog, write the proposal about that, as opposed to going forward and writing about the new stuff you want to talk about, because these people haven't already heard the old stuff, you know? So it was just kind of like, ah, okay. Even though I'm kind of done, not done talking about it, but I'm ready to move to the next thing. uh, They weren't quite. So I did have to write a few. Did you regret proposals. doing it that long, like waiting that long to do the book? Or do you think that, I feel like it made you a master of what you really thought about lists. Yeah, no, I thought it was great. I mean, I think if I had done it any sooner, I wouldn't have really known. You wouldn't you know, know what it is. Yeah. And also, you know, you the great thing about blogs and uh, all of that is that you do get to test out your material, right? You get real-time feedback. When you write a book, you don't really get that. You don't get to hear what people think right away, other than if you were... Uh, you know, at a at an event with them, a book party or something like that, they get to tell you what you think. But real time, you put up a blog and you get instant feedback from people. That's, you know, that's invaluable right there. Plus, you got to grow your list, your email list. I don't know how mm-hmm. early you were growing the email list because that was before I really knew you. But at least then you can also go to a publisher and say, look, this many people sign up to hear from me all the time. Like the mm-hmm. publishers from traditional publishers, don't they want to see that? Oh, yeah, for sure. And, you know, I started building that list um, before I even had something to to send. I was just building the list saying, hey, something is coming. And the reason oh. I did that was because Cindy Ratzlaff, who you know very well, um, mm-hmm. who is a, a branding expert, uh, she said to me when I first said, oh, I'm going to write a book, I think, or start a blog. I'm not sure. She said, whatever you do, start getting email addresses. So it was oh. like ingrained in my head. So and I was like, smart. okay. Yeah. You know why I didn't collect email addresses for as long as I had a website? Because my web designer at the time, 
said, oh, I said, shouldn't I get people's emails or something? I don't even know why I would have known that. But she was like, oh, but then you're going to have to create like a newsletter and send it every week. And she scared me away from it. Ah. And then I didn't collect emails for literally years. I could kick myself and her, quite frankly. <laughs> uh, but anyway, look, we, we know that doing the media does help establish credit in a lot of ways. It will not make your business for you, but it helps lift you up. And when Paula and I were first launching our course, Lights Camera Expert, which we designed to help people like you who would love more attention from the media for your book, brand, or business. Uh, I, I, I said, Paul, what do you think about pitch so-and-so over at Forbes, our friend Emma, who oh, right. writes for Forbes? And I said, what if I pitch her like, I don't know, she knows we have a course launching. Again, you don't go to the writer of Forbes and go, I have a course to sell. Can you write about yeah, me? Yeah, can you write you me? Can't. That'd be great. No. She knew I had a reason. That's why it's, so, it's good to have that urgent reason. Why me? Why now? Well, I was incentivized by having it get out in the world. But I said, hey, what if we do a thing on like how to do it, how to do your own, get your own attention from the media without messing it up? How about the mistakes people make? She goes, great, write it up. So I wrote it up for her. She worked it into a piece and it drove people. We were offering a free video course at the time. The same one we're offering right now. Am I wrong? Mm-hmm. The same one. You're People not offering a free course. Actually, it was. This is a big driver, by the way. Getting emails. It's no. It's no uh, surprise that we have one too. If you're interested, by the way, beamediamagnet.com. That is the video course that helped us get out there into the world because it was something we were giving away. Beamediamagnet.com. By the way, anyway, Emmy Emma wrote about it. She put it mm-hmm. up. We had some people, a lot of people opt in, read, a lot of people on our list. Yes, because what? obviously Forbes has a really big hey, following, bigger than any reach. blog that we could have written. Uh, you know? Yeah, you think? Mm-hmm. One of those people, many of them, but one in particular signed up for our free course, signed up for our paid course, mm-hmm. and hired Became us for individual a- work. Yeah. For consulting. Bought into a mastermind. That one, I mean, this is not, again, media, as you know, uh, it's not one-to-one conversion for sales. But that one post that I, you know, I take a little extra time to write something, that was worth tens of thousands of dollars in the end of the day. Yes. From one great placement. One great placement. You just don't know what will happen. So, Mm -hmm. you know, so it's worth doing. It's so true. You know, it can work. It can work for you and you don't have to be a full-time contributor. I mean, that's, it's something that you can do here and there. I mean, obviously people are saying, oh, but I don't know anybody at Forbes, but here's the thing. You have to be a recognized expert for people to even take you seriously. So how do you do that? You create regular blog posts on your own. You create your own media, right? And then you, you're able to, to, to be seen as an expert. You know, Dory will talk about recognized experts. Um, if you're out there saying a thing, like I made myself an expert on list making. I mean, I am an expert on list making. You but are, but you invented the name. I did. You know, it's sort of, it's pretty great. It's like, hey, you can be an expert in anything, really. Uh, you just tell enough people and you start writing about it and you start giving out good free content and free stuff and, you know, people you listen to that. you. That's it. That's what it. That's what happens, you know. But leveraging the media that you've done, you know, we talked a little bit about media begetting more media. And so, um so often, one of our clients, I think we've sp- spoken about him before, but he really did not care about doing any kind of TV <laughs> whatsoever. Uh, he was like, you know, I just want to do some trade publications, get some quotes here and there and whatever. And uh, he he reached out and did, uh, or was reached out to, and, and I think he did, it was a Harrow, Help a Reporter Out, which Peter Shankman uh, invented, our first guest. Um, and so a journalist was looking for some information from small business owners about insurance uh, for their health insurance, you know, for your employees. Right, 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, small businesses. And so he reached, he said, Oh, okay, I have an opinion on that. So he wrote him back and it got published in this small blog. And then from there, uh, CNBC put it on their website. And then from there, CNN saw it and thought, hey, this is good and reached out to our client and said, hey, we saw that you had a thing to say about this. Could you come on and talk about it? So I mean, examples. It's pretty great. That's how this happens. You know, once you're out there and and that wasn't even his expertise. That was, you know, something that he knew a thing about because he was a business owner. I mean, that was the, it was kind of funny in a way, because he was the one person who did not have stars in his eyes, you know what I mean, at all, about doing this. And yet, there you go, CNN on the phone wants to talk to you now. And that can be scary if you're not sure how to respond to it. You should be excited, but it can be scary too. And, And you know what? A lot of people would say no. They would just say, oh, no, I'm not ready. I can't do it. Uh, That's a huge mistake. It's a huge mistake because you know what? Then that media outlet may never call you back. In fact, they probably won't ever call you back ever again. And you miss your chance. So somebody else will- yeah, someone else will step up and then guess what? They'll become the go-to. They'll be the one who gets who gets their, you know, their their foot in the door and is able to then pitch more things to that producer and become an asset and, and all of those things. So you never say no. You always say yes, like Peter Schenkman always says, right? Yep. Well, listen, when we come back, we're gonna take a short little break. We're gonna talk to Dory Clark, author of Entrepreneurial You. She is living proof that giving to the media really does give back. You're listening to Lights, Camera, Expert, Unleash Your Expertise. We'll be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Imagine for a minute what it would be like to step onto the set of a show that you've been watching forever or see your name in a magazine you actually read. Sounds exciting, doesn't it? Well, here's the secret. Those experts you see on TV and in magazines aren't smarter than you. They just know how to get the media to pay attention. And it's something you can learn. I'm Paula Rizzo. And I'm Terry Gispicio. And we've been behind the scenes at major media outlets for years, booked thousands of guests, and have been featured ourselves on TV, radio, and everywhere else. We know how this works. We'll show you how to crack the media code, craft your pitch, and crush it on air. Get our free video course, How to Be a Media Magnet. You'll learn how the media thinks and how to pitch your idea so you get booked. You have something to say, and the world is ready to hear it. Go to BeAMediaMagnet.com to get our free course. That's BeAMediaMagnet.com. Follow the Voice America Talk Radio Network on Twitter. We're at Voice America TRN. You'll get the latest fix on what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and general happenings that you should know about at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Now you don't have to miss anything when you're away from your home or office. Just go to twitter.com forward slash Voice America TRN or follow along with us at Voice America TRN, the Voice America Talk Radio Network. We're on the cutting edge of social media. Can you keep up? Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com You are listening to Lights, Camera, Expert. Unleash your expertise. To reach the show today, please call 1-866-472-5788. 
That's 1-866-472-5788. Reach us by email at info at lightscameraexpert.co. Now back to this week's show. We're back. I'm Terry Gispicio alongside Paula Rizzo. And if you're just tuning in, you've got perfect timing because joining us now is an expert we can't say enough great things about. Dory Clark is an adjunct professor at Duke University's, I don't know how to say the word, Fuqua. I that's that's good. That, that works. <laughs> Why do they name it this name? No one can say. <laughs> Basically, Duke School of Business. And she's a professional speaker. She's also author of this book, Entrepreneurial You from Harvard Business Review Press, named one of the top 10 business books of 2017 by Forbes. Her previous books included Reinventing You and Stand Out, which Inc. Magazine declared the number one leadership book in 2015. Basically, every year, hers is the best book. And she just, <laughs> year. just um, keep reading them. Yeah. The bestseller at the Washington Post. And the New York Times described her as an expert at self-reinvention and helping others make changes in their lives. Interesting background. Dory was a former presidential campaign spokeswoman. She's a frequent contributor to the Harvard Business Review. And she's a consultant speaker for big name companies that you know, like Google, like Yale, like World Bank. She's also a producer of multiple, she's also a producer of a multiple Grammy winning jazz album, which is the craziest bit of her resume. (laughs) And I'm like, what? (laughs) Um, And we'll tell you more, but you can download her free entrepreneurial you self-assessment workbook at doryclark.com slash entrepreneur. Dory, welcome. Thank you, Terry. Thank you, Paula. Hi. Dory, you've spent years teaching people how to reinvent themselves and to stand out as experts. And now with this book, Entrepreneurial You, to monetize those efforts, which we'll get to in a bit. But first, I really want people to understand your relationship to the media when you started your career, because you weren't someone who was flying around as a high-paid consultant then, were you? No, I was I was a low paid scribe. Uh, <laughs> I, I started my career. My first real job after I finished graduate school was I was a reporter for a now defunct weekly newspaper in Boston, and uh, I did that for about a year, which was really good training. You know, it was it was in fact really good uh, boot camp for content creation, which is has become important to me later on for Mm -hmm. for my career. Uh, But nonetheless, after about a year of doing this, I ended up getting rather unceremoniously laid off and had Mm. to go find not just another job, but because journalism was collapsing, I basically had to go find another career. So that was that was reinvention number one. Yes. <laughs> wow. Geez. Well, when did you realize, though, that the media then would be part of your own strategy, getting yourself out there? Well, you know, I, I always like to say I, I'm really good at one year goals and I'm really terrible at like, you know, long term goals. I just I have no idea <laughs> really? how to come down the pike. Like I'm pretty bad at seeing that. Um, so, yeah, when it's like, you know, trend forecasting and whatever, I'm like, I don't freaking know. <laughs> <laughs> but but like if it's the thing right in front of me, I will be like a, a tiger just mm. going and getting that immediate goal that I can that I can see and wrap my arms around. So I'm pretty good at jumping from one thing to another. So basically, as a journalist, when I could not find a job as, as you know, at another paper, I had been a political reporter. So I then switched to working on campaigns. Uh, that was that was sort of the nearest branch to grab. Um, mm-hmm. So so certainly that that was 
another aspect of media relations was learning to deal with them as someone who's pitching the media rather than, than being yes. pitched to. Um, so yes, I, I did. And then I, uh, after my campaigns did not work out, uh, sadly, I was, I was, I was working for very interesting, uh, candidates that I think, I think in retrospect, almost everyone thinks would have been really good, uh, especially compared to some of the alternatives that, that made it into office. But at the time, voters decided against them, unfortunately. No. Uh, so I was, I was without a job. Uh, so I took, I took a job as the executive director of a nonprofit. So that was yet another angle where I was trying to get press for the nonprofit. And so mm-hmm. uh, began trying to understand the, the mechanism of how to influence, you know, I mean, in a literal day-to-day sense, how to get coverage, but also how to influence media coverage in, in a broader sense. Um, so I did all of those things prior to launching my consulting business 12 years ago. Mm-hmm. I see. And, and you know, you work with a lot of big corporations and on branding and, and that kind of thing, but also for, for people, for personal brands, right? Um, you talk a lot about being a recognized expert. And talk to us a little bit about the components that go into that. Yeah. So becoming a recognized expert is, a, there's a formulation that I've developed over the last number of years, uh, specifically through the process of writing my book, Stand Out, which is kind of about that topic, and then developing mm-hmm. an online course called Recognized Expert that helps professionals figure out how to um, how to how to become known uh, in their field. And fundamentally, what I came to discover is that there are three constituent parts to becoming a recognized expert. So the first one, as I was alluding to earlier, is content creation. Pretty basic, but yet sometimes sometimes people don't get it until you spell it out. If you do not share your ideas publicly, people will not know what your ideas are. <laughs> Imagine that. <laughs> That's right. They cannot, they cannot praise you for your ideas if they have no idea what they are. So, uh, so, they, uh, so content creation is number one. Uh, number two is, uh, is social proof, meaning what's your credibility? Why should people listen to you to begin with? Um, what does mm-hmm. that process look like? And number three is your network, because not only does having a, a good network help sharpen your ideas, because you they're they're sort of stress tested. You know, they're exposed to questions and refinements by people that that you respect that know what they're talking about. But also, these people become your earliest evangelists, and they can help you spread your ideas further. So, those are the three key parts to becoming a recognized expert in your field. Now, mm-hmm. Dory, how can we assess? that expertise and know if it's attention worthy. The problem, especially for people who are working on their own, solopreneur kind of style, you kind of, it's hard to get outside yourself to know. So aside from being like, oh, I have an email list that's 10,000 people strong, how can you, what's the best way to evaluate it? Yeah, so, you know, there's a number of ways that that one can test and evaluate ideas. But just to give you some examples, uh, for instance, one one way that I did rather inadvertently, uh, but, you know, for me, it was an accident, but but you guys can use it as a real strategy, (laughs) uh, is, for instance, in writing my first book, Reinventing You, that actually started as a blog post. And it was, you know, I wrote lots of blog posts, uh, but that was the one that became popular. 
you know, it gets the traction, it gets shared, it gets read, uh, it gets comments. The editors of the Harvard Business Review, who I wrote it for, were interested enough that they reached out and said, oh, this is interesting. Could you turn it into uh, a longer magazine piece? So it just, there were many signs that that idea had more traction relative to other things. So blogging is one really good way to just sort of see what works. Um, similarly, you can, uh, you can if you do already have a pre-existing audience, whether it's on social media or an email list or something like that, you could, uh, you could survey people, you know, you could ask them what, you know, what are, what are the things that I talk about that you're most interested in? Mm -hmm. Or you could, um, you could send out messages. I mean, there's a lot of ways that you can get different data points. Maybe it's that you're sending out a series of email messages and you actually check the open rates and yeah. see if they're different. Right. I was reading it. <laughs> exactly. Every time I write about such and such, the open rates, you know, 39%. But when I write about these other things, it's 29%. Okay. That's, that's showing you uh, something. Um, and then, you know, this is, this is where, Again, you know, the network, I think, is very valuable. I have a concept that I talk about in, in recognized, uh, or sorry, in um, my first book, Reinventing You, called the Mentor Board of Directors. And it's kind of my mm -hmm. reformulation of the typical mentor paradigm, because everybody these days is kind of looking for like, oh, I wish I had a mentor. Right. <laughs> and, you know, really. Save me. That's right. It's like, it's like when I hear that, I'm just like, oh, so you too are looking for a magic bullet. You too uh, want a deus ex machina, mm -hmm. you know. It's also a lot you. of pressure. It's a lot of pressure on that one mentor. It, it is. It's, it's, it's like, it, it just, it doesn't really work that way. I mean, probably one out of a hundred people are lucky enough to stumble into a situation where like, voila, there's this older and wiser person that wants <laughs> to do everything for you. Right. Um, but, but for most of us, that's not the case. And so instead, I am suggesting that people try to try to take their eye off of that and instead um, think a little bit more about creating your own circle. And it could be older people, it could be your peers, it could be even younger people, but you're not necessarily looking for everything from them. It's not that, oh, I want to be exactly like this person in the world, but you're, you're saying, oh, well, who are the people that I want to learn from in a targeted way? You know, Paula is killer on productivity and Terry mm -hmm. is, you know, killer on, on, uh, giving thinking. TED talks. Yeah. <laughs> She's like, what can I say about her? <laughs> <laughs> well, Terry she who makes got great me guacamole. She does. She got <laughs> Terry who got me into stand up comedy, right? That's You're right. on comedy mentor board of directors. Oh, I love yes. it. Look at that. But I love this, right, Paula? Because it means we all play those rules for each other. It's not just me and someone above me who helps me. It's this idea of having lots of people to check with. Totally. Mm -hmm. One yeah. last thing here. Uh, where do people get stuck, do you find? When you when you talk to people, you meet a lot of people who read your stuff, and they probably, probably 80% of those people get stuck in the same place. Where is that? <laughs> yeah, you know, if we're talking specifically about the question of becoming a recognized expert, what I hear a lot, you know, sometimes people will come to me and they'll be like, like, you know, I've been trying. Why isn't <laughs> it working? And, you know, I mean, so, so of course, there's plenty of people who maybe haven't been, you know, they haven't been trying at all yet. But for the people who are like, oh, I've been trying, what's wrong, what's wrong? And they get so frustrated. What I have found is that oftentimes it is that they have been over-indexing on one particular strength. So out of these three things, right, the, the social proof, the content creation, the network, they have picked one that they are mm. really good at that maybe comes naturally to them. They like it. And so they keep doing it. Ah. And that is wonderful. But this is not a situation where playing to your strength is going to, is, is going to solve your problems. It, it will be helpful up to a point. But if you're great at one thing and then like kind of average or below average at these other two things, 
you're not going to get there. This is something where you really do have to have all three things moving forward in relative lockstep. Um, you can be great at one thing, but you have to be at least pretty good at the other ones as well. Otherwise, there are going to be massive gaps. I mean, for instance, if you if you have someone, and you know, I, I actually can think of several friends in my life who are like this. They're the best networker in the world, right? They're amazing people. You love them. They're constantly making introductions. They seem to know everyone, you know, blah, blah, blah. Well, why sure. is it that that person wouldn't be successful? Well, if they don't have sufficient social proof, all you can say is, you know, Jim's a great guy. Oh, everyone <laughs> loves Jim. Right. But it's like, well, what would you hire Jim for? What does he actually what do? What does he do? Right. Yeah. 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 You can't build a business on that. You have to right. have the other components too. Wow. Yeah, it's true. It, you don't want it to be uneven in that way because you're right. Then there's holes and then it's sort of like, mm, there's a whole big disconnect there. What about the idea of a portfolio career? What is that? What, why do we need one? Yeah. So, so essentially, one of the arguments that I make in Entrepreneurial U is that we need to start thinking more in the line of a portfolio career, meaning mm-hmm. having multiple streams of income. Uh-huh. Um, you know, if, if people know one thing about investing, about, you know, where to put the money that they've earned, it is, okay, don't put it all in one place, right? That's yeah. a mistake. Everyone right. knows that. And yet so often when it comes to how we actually earn money, that's, that's exactly what we're right. doing. Right. You get one job, you stay there, you, you, that's it. Until yeah. maybe maybe something happens and then you're like, oh, no, I should have diversified, I guess. Yeah. And, it, and it's a lesson that I learned early. I mean, you know, not that I was happy about it, but, uh, right. but, you know, I had my safe and secure job at the newspaper until literally one day with no warning, I did not. Right. And so it's certainly true if you have a day job. However, I would argue it's even it's even true if you are an entrepreneur and you're just doing the same thing. Right. Um, because there's there's huge amounts of industry disruption that can happen. I mean, you think about, you know, for instance, back in 2006, 2007, I, um, one of the things that I was consulting with clients about was like, you know, social media and websites and this stuff was all new, right? And I remember right. I had a lot of clients that were like, oh, wow, you know, we want to get a really cool flash video for our website. <laughs> oh, it was no. like so groovy, you know? And, <laughs> It was amazing. And I, so I was advising them on these things and, you know, wonderful. But all of a sudden, one day, Apple's like, you know what? This flash thing, we're not going to support that at nah. all. No, yep. we're just, mm. no, that, we're not going to play that game. And it's like, oh, okay. And so it was a good thing that I wasn't just an advisor on flash videos. Uh. Otherwise, I would have been you know, <laughs> in a bad place. So, so having multiple income streams, doing different things for your clients or doing, doing you know, the same thing, but for vastly different clients that, you know, all of that is helpful in terms of diversification. So I actually have nine different income streams right now. Whoa. One of the things that, that you can really do to both give yourself much more upside economically in your business and also hedge much more effectively against risk. No. Yeah, well, we definitely want to talk more about that um, in a bit wow. about yeah. all of this. I want to hear about every single one. I know you'll go through it, but I do want to know your opinion on the ROI of media. What do you think there? Because it, it can be difficult to, to pinpoint 
Yeah. So the ROI of media, I mean, of course, that's sort of a, a broad formulation. But I would say in general, if we're thinking about the recognized ex- expert rubric, media yep. is amazing for social proof. It is one of the very best things that you can do. Um, so for instance, if you are able to be featured in publications or you know on TV or whatever programs that people have heard of, that's huge. Or if, you know, on the content creation front, if you're able to write for, you know, certain publications that, that play, mm-hmm. people have heard of, again, that's amazing because people um, look at that and it, it just allows them, for better or for worse, to, to take a mental shortcut, to make it, you know, this sort of heuristic where they're able to say, oh, well, if she's good enough for, for Forbes or if she's good enough for the Harvard Business Review, she must be good enough for me. And it, it means that they essentially let their brain relax and they're like, oh, I don't have to go through the burden of vetting these people uh-huh. because, because Forbes or HBR or Fox News or whoever has already done it for me. And so it makes them far more receptive to actually listening to your message without simultaneously being like, hmm, do I even believe this person? What's her deal? You know, it's right. Like, mm-hmm. So that because they've made it through that, the, the gatekeepers automatically, the social proof is there, right? I mean, correct. For so many people. I mean, it's, it's you look at the website, I say this all the time. I look at two experts who are meh, pretty much the same, but one has done a ton of media and one hasn't. You look at that other person in a different way, don't you? Yes, yes, Always. definitely. Even if we say we don't, we do. Yeah. Everybody's judging everything. It does Please. matter. Please, well, I mean, it, judging. It is sort of like, you know, traditionally published versus non-traditionally published books. There's a little bit of a snobbery that goes on there too. You know, it's fine. Um, but that's sort of the way that it, the way that the world works, right? You know, you want to know that, that these people have been vetted and somebody thinks that they do belong there. It's a little bit of, for, for all of us who can be media experts, you know, anybody can produce their own media now. Right. So I want you to sit tight because there's so much more Dory Clark here. And when we heard nine ways to make money, we said, yes, we would like to know nine jobs, all of them, please. Right. We're not just in this for our health. We really we want to make some cash. So we're going to talk about how to monetize your expertise and your knowledge and really get out there and get some bucks for what you do, right? So uh, we're here with Dory Clark. We will be back in just a bit. You're listening to Lights, Camera, Expert, Unleash Your Expertise. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. Imagine for a minute what it would be like to step onto the set of a show that you've been watching forever or see your name in a magazine you actually read. Sounds exciting, doesn't it? Well, here's the secret. Those experts you see on TV and in magazines aren't smarter than you. They just know how to get the media to pay attention. And it's something you can learn. I'm Paula Rizzo. And I'm Terry Gispicio. And we've been behind the scenes at major media outlets for years, booked thousands of guests, and have been featured ourselves on TV, radio, and everywhere else. We know how this works. We'll show you how to crack the media code, craft your pitch, and crush it on air. Get our free video course, How to Be a Media Magnet. You'll learn how the media thinks and how to pitch your idea so you get booked. You have something to say, and the world is ready to hear it. Go to BeAMediaMagnet.com to get our free course. That's BeAMediaMagnet.com. 
Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog, Press Pass? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective. Plus, topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at VAPressPass.com. That's VAPressPass.com. VA Press Pass by Voice America. All access, all the time. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to Lights, Camera, Expert. Unleash your expertise. To reach the show today, please call 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Reach us by email at info at lightscameraexpert.co. Now back to this week's show. And we're back. I'm Terry Jaspisio with the ever so lovely Paula Rizzo. We're talking with uh, Dory Clark, the author of entrepreneurial you who says yes there's an roi on your media efforts there is an actual procedure and method for becoming a recognized expert and you can make money doing it okay dory so let's talk about this part the money part your book is predicated on the idea that there isn't just one effort or one role that will make you all of your money the key is many streams of income and yet this is this is a really big deal right now, right? Isn't this, would you say, is this the future of where we're all headed or is it just kind of what you're doing now? <laughs> well, I, th- I think in many ways it is the future of where we're all headed. Um, there's a, a well-known uh, study by Intuit, the software firm, that estimated that, uh, this was a few years ago, they estimated that by 2020, 40% of the American workforce would be freelance. And, you know, that sounded kind of shocking at the time when mm-hmm. that came out. But now, uh, currently, according to a study that was just released by the freelancers union uh, and, you know, has been methodologically validated. Uh, <laughs> 37% of Americans are there. So we are, we are literally in 2018 Whoa. almost there. Wait, so uh, it's real. That's going to be it's real. real. 40%. It's a thing. That's right. Wow. Um, so, so it is. It is becoming increasingly common that people are structuring their lives in these in these new and and you know, dare I say, non traditional ways. At least according to the paradigm that we've had post World War II. Mm. That's pretty amazing. Wow. So the the thing you said before the break was that you have nine streams streams of income. I want to know about this. Walk (laughs) walk us through them. Can you please walk us through nine? (laughs) I can. Or is it secret? (laughs) <laughs> they, no, they're they're not uh, they're not secret. Uh, so there's uh, there's marketing strategy consulting, which is kind of how okay. I started my business. There is executive coaching. Is, we're all counting along here. Uh, mm-hmm. There's uh, there's writing books. There is uh, business school teaching. There's keynote okay. speaking. There's affiliate income. There is um, online courses. There is uh, live in-person workshops and events. And then there's something new that I started this year, which is ongoing year-long mastermind programs. Ah, And then there is sleeping and eating. Do you have room for any of those things? (laughs) I mean, the idea is that I thought some of these things would go on their own, but like you have to do all these. You have to to teach. You have to show up to these places. You're doing all nine all the time. I mean, that seems crazy to me. 
Yeah, I mean, you know, they go they go through phases, right? Like uh, sometimes you'll be doing kind of a, a concerted launch around an online course, for instance. Right. And so there's a lot more attention about that at the time. Uh, but then, you know, it kind of it kind of plateaus, and and you don't have to do as much for a while. Um, certainly, with uh, with my masterminds, uh, you know, there's there's a there's been a lot of work in the first part of the year as I was sort of ginning up interest in them and interviewing participants and seeing who was going to be in it, formulating exactly kind of what the narrative arc of our year together of learning was going to look like, et cetera. Um, but, you know, that sort of evens out into a, into a steadier pace. Uh, for teaching, uh, some people envision that, you know, you're teaching these like semester long courses where you're in three times a week or something. Um, that's really not practical if you're if you're having yeah. the rest of your business, uh, but what I what I do have is uh, I teach for the an executive ed program at the Fuqua School of Business at Duke. So it's really like in the spring and in the fall I do two three day programs. So you know oh, it, okay. it's not it's not that hard. I can fly down there uh, for a few days, do it, and then come back and just focus on other things. Yes, I was going to say, it, it all goes together. It's just, you know, different different ways of sort of, uh, you know, presenting this information. And, um, you know, I, Terry and I know what affiliates are. We have been affiliates for each other, you and, and us, yes. um, for our, our online courses, which has been a great way to find, you know, people who you wouldn't ordinarily be exposed to. But in the book, Entrepreneurial you. I remember reading a piece about you being on a plane, I think it was, and then you got an email from a friend of yours who had made like so much money off affiliates and was like at home doing nothing. And you're like, why am I on this plane going a place I don't want to go? And this other person is making tons of money while staying home. Tell us a little bit about that and how that kind of reframed how you're doing affiliates and, and what it really is. Yeah, that's right. His name is uh, John Corcoran, and I'm actually doing a Facebook Live with him uh, in about 45 minutes. Oh, busy <laughs> so, ah, day. <laughs> it is a busy day. It's true. Um, but yeah, that's, that's exactly right. I, um, in a lot of ways, uh, talking, my conversations with John were a little bit of a turning point for me because I had always concentrated on building, uh, you know, what I thought of as, as a, as a respectable business, you know, and, and, <laughs> and this, this respectable business was like, oh, okay, I'd write books to get credibility and renown in the marketplace and, uh, you know, maybe some media coverage, et cetera. And then I would translate that to getting speaking engagements or corporate consulting engagements. And that, that was, you know, my business. That's a great business. Yeah, totally, totally works. Um, and, you know, that was fine. But then I would hear these little stories about like stuff that he was doing. And I was just like, oh my God, that sounds so much easier. That sounds so much better. And, and, and it was stuff that I had never really considered. Like, you know, like with his email list and, and you know, promoting things and, and essentially doing B2C, you know, doing business to consumer rather than, than B2B. And um, it was just not an area that I had thought about, but I, but I came to realize I had in some ways kind of eschewed those areas because anything having to do with like internet marketing for a long time, like probably the first 10 years or so, let's say, of... Um, of the internet being a thing, the, right. the people who did internet marketing, I mean, a lot of them honestly are just like kind of 
icky guys. Scammy. Yeah. 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 It's, uh, you know, it's gotten I mean, a bad name. Right? It has gotten a bad name. And it and, and like on on one hand, there's like, you know, the, the spammers who send you the Viagra messages. And then like not that far removed are the people who are actually selling things online, but are just like they feel almost like the Viagra guys. What are they yeah. doing? Right. Eh. And and I didn't I didn't want to be like that. I didn't I just didn't even want to touch that. So I'm just like, Ugh. but you know, I came to realize like duh right you're kind of confusing the channel with the messengers and there's lots of good ways that you can do marketing over the internet that are nice and uh and so i i wanted to come to to figure figure that out because i I realized that it was a valuable channel that i had yeah you can't throw the baby out with the bathwater just because there's a few like clowns out there scamming people i mean and that's Mm -hmm. what's so great about the book is you go into how that works and if you're curious about affiliate marketing or what it means to create online content i mean that's a whole other discussion and you really explain it very clearly there but there, there is a way to do it authentically but what really interests me when you talk about beginning of your consulting career, you're like, oh, I'm going to help people. You, know, you get really excited about being able to help people do their marketing strategy or whatever you, know, whatever you were doing. But then when someone asked you about, oh, well, what's your rate? And you're like, uh, and you totally choked. And I feel like this is a really critical thing for you to address because we cannot monetize if we feel a little weird or awkward about asking for money. Tell us about how you got past that. Yeah, this is this is a big one, and I think of you know from talking to people, a very common one <laughs> that in our culture it is not really considered a polite thing to do to really talk mm. about money, and so people, um, you know, they they do tend to choke because it's it's very hard. First of all, even at a basic level, to get market intelligence about like, well, what actually are the common rates? Like, I mean, right. maybe if you've been working in a certain industry and then you go freelance, you might have a sense of like what your current, you know, your, your firm that you just left charged. But in a lot of cases, you don't even know that you have no idea what the basis of comparison is for your competitors. You're kind of flying in the dark, but then even, even let's pretend you, if you know that, if you have a sense of what other people are charging, there's still the emotional issue of, 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 of saying a number and saying it in a way that, you know, you're, you're thinking, oh my gosh, I'm new. Am I worth it? Or, you know, mm. it seems like so much money. Are they going to be willing to pay it? Are they going to laugh me out of here? Um, and it, it just, it sounds weird because especially if you're coming from a place as a salaried employee to, to say something like, oh, well, it's $200 an hour or it's $500 an hour or, oh, the project is $25,000. Like, however you're structuring it, that can sound so enormous. Sure. And, you know, of course, as, as a freelancer, there's lots of time that you're, that you're not, you know, billing for. So, I mean, it's, it's just sort of structured differently, but, um, but there's a real emotional hurdle to it. So for me in particular, how I got through it, uh, certainly of course, part of it is, is just trial and error. Um, part of it is, uh, is, feeling the pain when you underprice yourself and then you have to do these. Oh, yes. Yeah. It only takes a few of those to be That's like, right. oh, yeah, what you're did like, I next do? Time, next right, time. totally. Yeah, and then part of it, I would say somebody who's really good on pricing, I would recommend the books of a guy named Alan Weiss um, who's written hmm. a lot about, uh, about he's, his most famous book is called Million Dollar Consulting and he's written a lot about how to structure your hmm. pricing agreements. Oh, good. Hmm, I'm going to check that out. Good. Yeah. Reading list from Dory Clark. Please. That's right. Uh, 
Um, what about when is it time? How do we know it's time to start monetizing our content? Slash and asking for money because that's yeah. Awesome. I mean, what is the what is the the risk of doing it too soon versus you know we talk a lot about give 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 and then you do an ask, but you know when should people start thinking about monetizing their content? So if we're talking about monetizing our content, I I would actually say in a lot of in a lot of ways monetizing your content is something that should take a very long time, if ever. Yeah. What I am a big fan of, however, is monetizing the back end around your content. And let me explain the difference of what I'm talking about. So if we're thinking about content, let's, pre- let's pretend for the sake of argument, we're talking about a, you know, a blog or something like that. That is, that is the best advertising that, that you have. And so it's actually really good for it to be free so as many eyeballs can see it as possible. If you were to put up a, you know, like a paywall, like the Wall Street Journal or something like that, I mean, even mm-hmm. those guys let you have a few articles per month um, to, to kind of sample the wares before they ask that you pay it. Um, but if you, are, if you have a blog, let's say, that, that a lot of people are reading, there's a lot of ways that you can monetize it without necessarily charging people for that thing itself. In particular, in Entrepreneurial You, I profiled uh, a couple, uh, Bjork and Lindsay Ostrom, who have a blog, a food blog called Pinch of Yum, and they have been able to monetize in so many interesting ways. So just by way of example, there's the obvious one, which is that they have some advertising on their website. Number two, they have sponsored posts. So let's say a flour company would pay them to create a sponsored recipe about how to bake a cake. And it's like, oh, brought to you by blah, 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 flour company. Mm -hmm. They have affiliate income. So let's say they have an article about crockpot cooking. Well, before you make your crockpot dish, guess what? You need a crockpot. Here's the affiliate (laughs) right here. They get money that way. That's pretty good. Uh, and yes. they've, they've created this empire. They have a, an online paid membership community of aspiring food bloggers called Food Blogger Pro that people pay a monthly subscription fee to be part of. Uh, they, mm-hmm. teach, they teach workshops and courses um, that people come to and pay money for. Lindsay, the wife, is, has become a very talented food photographer, which obviously goes hand in hand with, uh, with being a food blogger. She has created a book uh, that they're selling for $30 a piece off their website uh, about how to become a better food photographer. That uh, has, has brought in, at the time I was writing the book, over $220,000 for What? That. The book? Wow. The book. Yeah. I thought okay. people didn't make money from books. Turns out they are. Exactly. Yes, exactly. So there's a lot of ways you can monetize your, around your content. And you don't need to have 100,000 people on your list to make money doing what you do, right? You can have a yeah. very engaged list and a, and a small platform to start and you can start making money from it. That's the point, right? Yeah, if it's if it's small but targeted and passionate, you absolutely mm. could do it. In uh, There's a woman I profile in Entrepreneurial You named Liz Scully. She became an oh, affiliate. Yeah, yeah she's okay. great. Um, she became an affiliate for my Recognized Expert course. She, she had 24 opt-ins, right? She literally just told like a handful of people about it. You know, I had people who had 1,500 opt-ins. 24 Um, people. 24 people. She sold, I think, I think it was three, three courses. So she got like three grand just out of telling these these targeted people because they were small but passionate. See? Wow. Yeah, that's it. And you just need people who are engaged and who are into it and, you know, who really want to hear about it. And, you know, Dory, it's amazing to have you. Thank you so much for all your insights, all your advice. And uh, you have a little, a little offer for our, for our listeners, right? Your uh, self-assessment. Tell us about that. 
Thank you. 88 question entrepreneurial you self-assessment. Figure out how to monetize your own business more effectively. You can get it at doryclark.com slash entrepreneur. Awesome. Thank you so much, Dory. And thank you all for joining us today. Terry and I had a blast. Uh, and if this sounds like something that you're into, getting media attention, going bigger with your brand and your business, we also have a gift for you. We do. It's a free video course for how the media can help you and how to get yourself media ready. It is free. Go to BeAMediaMagnet.com and you'll get instant access to the videos. That's BeAMediaMagnet.com. Until next week, I'm Terry Gispicio. And I'm Paula Rizzo, and you do have something to say, and the world is ready to hear it. Thank you for joining us for Lights, Camera, Expert. Unleash your expertise. Be sure to tune in again next Monday at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific, on the Voice America Variety Channel for another edition of the show featuring your hosts, Paula Rizzo and Terry Trespicio. We'll talk again next week.